On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, here of Locked On Browns, daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, Guys, look, I mean, you know, if you got one for Christmas, the family got one for Christmas, or the kids got one, hey, Alexa, play podcast. Locked on Browns. Uh, it seems to be a lot more, you know, reading the reviews and the reports. It's uh, a lot uh, the avenue that a lot more people are going to for the podcast needs. So go ahead, check it out. Um, we're gonna do an interesting show here tonight. Um, it's it's kind of funny because when I have this guest on, it realized how long we've kind of been doing things together. Um, from Common Man Football, the YouTube channel. Um, it is a great mixture and analysis of several ways of evaluating players through the draft process. Guys, obviously, you know, we have Pete Smith down in Mobile. There was nothing for the writers to see today. They're getting some footage in the but so footage in, you know, the media room that they keep down there. I'm sorry, the film room that they keep down in Mobile. So it was kind of a wash day. So, you know, we can't really get you the analysis you want. Even the biggest reporters who may have had a shot at seeing things today, obviously they're not available. We're still going to keep with the draft motif going. And that's where my man James Coburn comes in. James, uh, his work is deep. It's um, analysis, and it's basing things, whether it's size, speed, statistical analysis, and production analysis. And it goes back, for some roster spots, 30 to 40 years. Um, And now me and James have been doing shows since 2014, probably around this time. I remember covering the hell out of that draft with James. He knew of my deep appreciation and love for Odell Beckham Jr., but guys, from the YouTube channel, Common Man Football, and I do want to wish him this. Uh, James, to you and your new bride, I-, I wish you guys a lifetime of happiness, or at least find a way to get through it like me and mine do. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Jeff. Yeah, it- it's definitely been, it- it's been too long, Jim, but this is where I love you this time of year, because you know, the biggest, I don't know if I want to say the biggest, but one of, you know, look, everybody who wants to take a sleeper, and say, oh, well, this will be the guy. There's got to be something somewhere where you can say, all right, well, show me something where I believe it's going to be the guy. And I love the production traits that you do because it, it brings a lot to the table. And now, look, Daniel Gar- Jeremiah, guys, I, I'm not going to poke fun. Daniel's been on the show. But, look, we all – and, look, him being in the spot he's in, if Daniel Jeremiah chooses to launch a player, by all means, he's got the prerogative to. Um, but this has been an interesting one here. Um, and James, I'm kind of with you, and it's great for me, Browns-wise, and Browns fans, this is great for us. Not many people think there's even a first-round first running back in this class. So, Browns, you got yours last year, and you got him at 37. So, that's fine. We're not looking for a first-round running back. We're not looking for a running back anytime early for the Cleveland Browns. But James, uh, the launching of Josh Jacobs from Alabama. And now it's interesting. Look, you know, Mark Ingram, great production while he was down in Alabama. Derrick Henry, off-the-wall production while he was down at Alabama. Josh Jacobs. Ah, that's the one thing missing here. Absolutely. I mean, just uh, based on the data work that I do, where instead of just looking at pure yardage, I look at market share data, which is you essentially take the total yardage of a running back, so the uh, rushing yards plus receiving yards, and divide it by the team total. Uh, and you basically do that for every running back drafted since, at least in my data, since 1969. So the greatest hits are there. The 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 greatest running backs from 1969 until now are basically in that sample. Whether it's Tony Dorsett, uh, Adrian Peterson, uh, any great running back you could think of is in that list. And with Joshua Jacobs, he scored at 11.07 out of 100 in terms of his market share data, which is basically the percentage of yardage that he made up for Alabama's offense. 
And based on all this information since 1969, there's never been a multiple all-pro running back to have that type of production, let alone a multiple Pro Bowl running back. And the closest starter to him is a running back by the name of Marion Butts. Uh, I remember Marion. J- James, come on now. We could have Bill. We could have <laughs> Bill Cower on here. Ma- and I will tell you right now because he was one of the original Chris Berman names. Marion Butts is exactly how he used to say it. I remember him, Charger. Exactly. And again, with data, I'm not saying that a guy is going to enter the NFL and become a complete bust. I think there are traits with Joshua Jacobs. He's a big running back. He's physical. He does all those types of things. But to say that he's a top five running back, that he is in the, at least in our era, to say he's like a Ezekiel Elliott, a Saquon Barkley, uh, even the Georgia backs we had recently in, in Sonny Michelle and, of course, Nick Chubb and uh, you know all the other sort of running backs you can think of in our time period, he just doesn't fit that bill from a production standpoint. So while I do think there is a shot that he could become a long-term starter, I just think uh, uh, to say that this is the running back one, I, I, I think the way I look at it is this is a weak running back class in, in the sense that there's not like a, a running back at a top school who was really, really productive and also put on great tape. So you just kind of have to, all right, all right, who was good at a, a big time school? Oh, Alabama. Yeah, this guy right here. And he had a great playoff run as well. It kind of reminds me of Bo Scarborough because I remember Bo Scarborough uh, during the playoffs. Uh, before the year he was drafted, he had a, this one crazy run, and people were like, yeah, that's running back one right there. And then, of course, this, the next season happened and didn't really do much. So it, it's just crazy to me that we're going to essentially put one of the least productive running backs ever as running back one, at least you know with Daniel Jeremiah, uh, when I, I think we need to step, take a step back and say, you know, the running back class is weak, but that doesn't mean we have to put a guy like that in the first round. I mean, I don't think – any running back in this class is really worthy of a first-round pick. And uh, that's just kind of how I feel about it, even from a production standpoint. And the only guy that would be closest to getting a first-round pick would be like Bryce Love, and and that was pretty much ruined this year with the injuries and the, the questions about durability and all those other sort of things. So, And the other fact that you know Bryce Love could probably walk into another facet career and make yeah. a boatload of money in that as well. Um, a, a couple of things with Jacobs here. Um, you know, I mean, do you want to say low miles? Yes, sure. That's a fine thing. Um, and now James made a great point here at the end, my buddy. And it was the, no, had a nice, really nice playoff run. And guys, Cleveland Browns fans, you should understand this. This is what happened with Greg Robinson. Auburn had a really nice playoff run, lost to Florida State in the championship. And all of a sudden, a guy like Greg Robinson was mentioned as a, hey, if this guy were to declare, maybe, you know, he could sneak in in the first round. And then by the end of the national championship game, Greg Robinson went number two overall. You know, and I've talked with a bunch of different evaluators about this, and a lot of them have mentioned we've got to throw out two playoff games. Don't get geeked up. It, you know, you still got to work at the, you still got to look at the entire body of work. Don't get jazzed by the way a guy closed his college career. Greg Robinson was one of those examples. Josh Jacobs could be one. Daniel Jeremiah could look right. But, you know, with, with what James does, it gives you the best percentages of, well, this is how a guy looks. And now, look, it could get updated if he goes to Indy and he tests off the wall. Obviously, right, James? That will that will change some things for you a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if he puts up, I mean, just, just as a sort of comparison, you know, everybody brings up Alvin Kamara. 
who was another running back, you know, who was below. He is not the he is not the player on the field that Alvin Kamara is. But if he did test like it, go ahead. Right. I mean, Alvin Kamara t- had Pro Bowl uh, running back athleticism traits, and and as I try to tell most people, even if a guy isn't really that productive at running back, if he at least puts up Pro Bowl athleticism traits, then then that's a guy you should look at. Uh, you know, the production is one aspect of it, but you know, if a guy is really productive and is not that athletic or like really not athletic, then there's a chance that, you know, he he may not work out at the NFL level just because of, you know, it's the NFL, you know, you're dealing with the best athletes, uh, you know, at football in the world. So, but yeah, if he tests well as an athlete, then that would bump him up again. But, but still, where are we talking? Top five overall? Of a weak running back class. Of a weak running back class. I just can't get behind that. You know, I think, you just have to treat this running back class as, as what it is. Is that there's a, I mean, there's a lot of great running backs in this class. I mean, you know, Benjamin uh, Snell from Kentucky. And, I love him. He runs violent. Yeah, Devin Singletary, of course, from Florida Atlantic. He's kind of a smaller school guy that that's really great as well. David Montgomery, of course, is, was uh, talks about at the beginning of the season as one part Saquon Barkley, one part Ezekiel Elliott, one part uh, you know all these other sort of great running, greatest of all time running backs. He isn't exactly that. Uh, but he's still a good running back. But then again, but again, these are not backs that I would consider to be first round running backs. You know, these are guys that I think can be starters for you. But with the way that the running back position is, unless he's a guy that can do it all in your offense, unless he's someone that can run the football, catch the football out of the backfield, block, uh, has the sort of size traits and the athleticism traits you're looking for to be that kind of jack of all trades back, then that's a day two running back. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just you know, he, he doesn't have every single box as we like. I know check, check you know check all the boxes is a bit of a cliche, but at least what I do, I actually have boxes I can verify. I guess, and, and none of the backs in this class, I think, will end up checking all of the boxes uh, to be that kind of back this year. Well, and the thing with Jacobs is, is you're asking him to show you something that he didn't show you in college, as far as you know, being able to handle the full workload. Being able to total, you know, and good running backs now, what, between 1,600 and 2,000 yards in the NFL is usually what you can count on him for. So you're asking him now to play the best football of his life against the best competition of his life. So that's where you draw a little hesitation. And, you know, I'm with Jim. There's not, maybe it's because I'm looking at it, you know, somewhat through a Browns lens. But I don't see a Saquon Barkley. I certainly don't see an Ezekiel Elliott in this group. So it makes me all the more thankful for a guy like Nick Chubb. Um, Benny Snell, I guys, don't run with that name. Keep it kind of quiet because that would be a guy that if something ever happened to Nick, you could say, you know, we could probably give him 15 carries and kind of have a similar, th- you know, backfield with him and Duke Johnson. I do like Benny Snell at I Kentucky, though. De- definitely much. Guys, the Locked On NFL podcast. Matt Williamson over there does a fantastic job. You get a great, consistent lineup Monday through Friday. Uh, Monday, you know, he'll sit down with the Locked On host and break down the weekend's games. You know, whoever was, you know, more relevant. Obviously, you're going to get a lot of Rams and Patriots going on this time. You know, as we head into Super Bowl 53, Sage Rosenfels, Mike Renner, Mike Sando from ESPN. Friday, Matt sits down, break, break down, breaks down the weekend's action. Matt Williamson, the Locked On NFL podcast, guys. Subscribe, listen, enjoy. Now, Jimmy, uh, we're going to go into some defensive. For me, it's it's a glaring need on this team. Um, everybody you know, seems to want to talk about the offense with the Cleveland Browns. But uh, Baker Mayfield has just done so much, and there's players who have elevated their games being around a quarterback of his ilk. 
the the offense doesn't concern me. I, I look at the defensive line, and I, I the good teams they go seven eight deep interior exterior guys who can do a little bit of both. This is more, in my opinion, what the Cleveland Browns need to get to. So I mean, there's you know obviously it, it seems it's pretty heavy. You know, first couple of rounds here. And, you know, the Browns with a first-round pick, second-round pick, two in the third. So I believe they have uh, three of the top 94 selections, in uh, four of the top 94 selections in this draft. Give me some guys, and, I mean, if you want to highlight a couple of the big names, that's fine. But give me some, and whether in their mo- whether in Mobile or not, that does not matter. I mean, they're all draft eligible. Mobile is one week. But let's not forget about the juniors here. But go in and, you know, give me some guys, you know, if you want to hit on the bigger names. Actually, well, what do we do this? Quinn Williams, Ed Oliver. Who's better in the in the Common Man Football YouTube page in the in the numbers? Who's the better guy right now? Well, that's a that's a really tough question because uh, it's uh, that is a really tough question. I would say that it, it definitely would go to Williams only because of the fact that he he's not quite as productive, uh, but. You have to look at the size traits. Uh, when you look at a guy like him, you know this is someone that is considerably larger, bigger, uh, and I think it really will come down to athleticism traits with both these guys. Um, I would say Ed Oliver overall had the better production. He was dominant at a young age. You know, this is a guy as a freshman was just unbelievable. Uh, you know, you just kind of go back to you know some of his games against Oklahoma in his freshman year, where he was going up against guys that were uh, some of them were future first round second round picks and was just mm, you know just taking them to task in that game uh but i just feel like queen and williams because of those size measurables you know the length the size he could eat i mean to me he's a, he's he's one of those guys that's kind of a top five lock just on production alone at this point and if the testing will really be the major factor. If Ed Oliver tests amazingly and Queenie Williams tests kind of eh, then Ed Oliver definitely will kind of be that top guy. But if it's even, like if it's an even race, if both of them test outstanding as athletes, then I would still kind of give it to Queenie Williams just because of those link traits. Uh, there's a slight correlation when it comes to height and, and overall size in terms of dominance over the course of your career. I know a lot of people don't care about what a guy does over the course of his 10-year career. But that's just all I mean. It's just a slight advantage. Typically, it shows up in pass deflections as well. Guys that have more length typically have more pass deflections for obvious reasons uh, because, you know, when you have long arms, you're able to bat the the football down a lot more than other guys. So it's just little things like that. It's like inches between these two. And and really, I just think the length and the size of of Williams kind of edges out at Oliver. Okay, so, I mean, that's interesting. I won't tell Pete Smith you said this, though. All right, we'll keep that between us, James. Um, now, Jim, uh, Now, I, I guess we'll start on the interior because, I, I, in my opinion, I, they may have two starting de- de- defensive ends on this team. That doesn't mean I still don't want to add one. But, I mean, there's Larry Ogunjobi, and then there's a whole bunch of other guys that they're putting 90s jerseys on and playing a masquerade that pretending they're defensive tackles. Um, give me some, highlight some names here and then maybe some names that would be available, you know, round two, round three, because there's going to be, you just, this is what's going to happen. If you want to play winning football, you're going to need deep, deep depth everywhere and linebacker position. 
maybe not so much if you're planning on being a 12-13 win team because you're going to be a nickel and dime the entire second half of the game. But go ahead, give me some names here at the interior position. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, a couple names in there that 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 stick out uh, as I mean, if you're talking about kind of underrated guys. Uh, is, is what you're uh, talking about. Of course. You can highlight a big name or two. I mean, of the bigger names, if there's someone you really, really like, go ahead. You know that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, that position, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons, you know, sticks out uh, as, as a pretty strong overall profile in terms of his, uh, his you know, production. His all-field screams John Dorsey. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see about him, but he definitely is one of those guys. Uh, Max Crosby at Eastern Michigan is another kind of really underrated uh, player as well, uh, who extremely productive, 90-plus percentile in most of his production. Played at a lesser, you know, I mean, he played at Eastern Michigan. He didn't play in the SEC, but he still was productive enough at his level, very similar to Larry, Larry uh, you know, Ogunjobi in terms of uh, – uh, his uh, production profile, you know, kind of being from a lower level, but still being very, very productive um, at that level. Uh, another guy, Doug Costin uh, from Miami, Ohio. Uh, he's another guy that was also kind of a very productive player, but kind of came from a lower level uh, place as well. Uh, of course, the guy that everybody's been talking about in Mobile as well, Charles uh, uh, Omenahue uh, from Texas. Uh, he's another guy that was very productive at the interior spot. Probably will be NFL D end. I think that if you put him as a three four D end, I think you get more. I think he's more valuable at that sort of position because he has the length, the size uh, to play that position. I mean, it's rare to find a three four D end um, with those type of traits. So if he goes four three, I think he'll be fine. I just think he's just be better utilized as an interior defensive lineman just because of his length and those other sort of traits. Uh, and I think the last sort of guy to mention, Daniel Wise from Kansas, who's a guy who blew up the Shrine game last week. Uh, he was really productive in terms of his you know, solo tackle sack data. His issue is that he played at Kansas, and Kansas has historically been, other than basketball, they've been great at basketball, but uh, in terms of uh, football, it's not been that great. But he, he all, but he was a fantastic player. I mean, definitely interesting names. And you know, Wise, obviously, you got a lot of buzz last week. Last week, um, I do want to ask you about one guy. Um, Arizona State, um, Renell Wren. Um, he's had a nice start to the Senior Bowl. Well, I mean, had a nice one practice because that's what we know to this point. But here's a guy who seems to be... Pre- I mean, this may be a guy athletically that'll show up better um, you know, within your numbers. But where would he be right about now? Uh, yeah, in terms of his numbers, uh, he kind of tests more as a, uh, a nose tackle, really. Uh, his uh, solo tackle data is only about a 60.27, which is not really all-pro level, Pro Bowl level. His sack and, and TFL numbers, sack was 14.77, TFL was 22.07, which are all both below average. But he basically looks like a nose tackle based on his uh, production numbers. At the moment, so not the best production, I would say, for a guy like him. Okay, all right, but interesting name because um, when Snacks Harrison got traded from the Giants to the Lions for a fifth round pick, I I was literally one over here like, well, what are you doing? Where are you guys in Berea? You could have gotten Snacks Harrison for a fifth round pick. You have the cap space, 
So, you know, you know, I, maybe I'm obviously maybe a snacks Harrison light where he can do some things. But, you know, compared next to Larry Ogunjobi, you have a nice front there. So that was a name I know that me and a lot of other, you know, uh, the Browns guys we talk with, that's a name we were actually, you know, very much interested in about him. He may test better athletic muscles, you know, and we'll come back after Combine, Jim. Jim, you know that. We'll come back after that. Revisit things. Um, guys, whether it is Twitter, whether it's Instagram, and you're looking for anything for the Lockdown NFL Network, check out Lockdown NFL Net, uh, Lockdown NFL Net on Twitter, on Instagram. All the shows, uh, the information funnels through there. Um, you know the shows, the tweets from all of us. You know any work anybody's doing. Locked on NFL wise funnels through the Locked on NFL Net Twitter or Instagram account. Guys, go ahead if you're not following. Go ahead and follow us over there too as well. Now, James, I do want to get to some pass rushers because look, when you, and this is one of the things now. Like we've been talking about, you know, over the last week or so, the Browns want to get kind of get into rich man problems. And if you're going to get into bigger games and you're going to play for a lot more. You want to get yourself in that position. So there's some positions and the premium positions where it's okay to say, oh, it seems like we're too deep there. No! You want you want a lot of pass rushers. You want a lot of defensive line players. Um, now, uh, you know, it hit on obviously a couple of the top, you know, uh, you know I'm going to back up for my guy Josh Allen because he's a Kentucky kid. I talked about this last year. He would have been the best Josh Allen in the draft last year. Um, give me some thoughts here, Josh Allen and Bosa, and then you know again take us through you know some guys that could be available round two, round three. Uh, sure, uh, you know when it comes to uh, to uh, Josh Allen this year, probably the best profile out of every pass rusher this year. Uh, you know, ninety plus percentile in terms of solo tackle data, sack data, TFL data. He's pretty much as productive as Bradley Chubb. Uh, from that perspective, Nick Bosa, on the other hand, his major issue is he's just never really been productive. Uh, and I, I think the, my biggest issue with a guy like him, because, uh, you know, based on his uh, production numbers, he had like a 16.72 solo tackle score, 44.98 sack score, and 52.03 TFL score. And that was the year that he was, uh, you know, doing, doing really well. Uh, at the, I wouldn't say doing well, but he was in the rotation uh, last year instead of just his injured year. But that's my only issue with Nick Bosa is when you watch the film on him, he's definitely athletic. He he flashes a lot of potential, but I don't see the production to match. And when you look at some of his injury history, you know this is a guy that tore his ACL in high school. Uh, obviously, he didn't finish the year out this year because of a core injury. You look at his brother, you look at his brother who's had an injury history. Yeah, I mean, his brother has had an injury history, but Joey Bosa was infinitely more productive than him. I mean, Joey Bosa was a guy that hit 80-plus percentile solo solo scores. So Joey was a no-brainer. Nick is the little brother that maybe we're trying to associate with the fact of the Bosa name. A little bit. Now, again, put on the film, I think... Oh, no, I agree. Film, it looks good. But, I mean, and there's also a lot, I mean... If you yeah. put into, you know, a lot of these Ohio State games, he was playing, I mean, I I don't have snap counts, but you got to think his snap count w- was probably less just because it's Ohio State. It definitely is Ohio State, but as I tell anybody, go look at Derek Thomas when he was at Alabama in the 80s and look at his numbers. <laughs> go look at any player who played at a big-time program, Von Miller, you know, you could go down the list of players, uh, or even Ray Lewis, for example. He was playing at Miami 
when they were the U and was the best player on that football field. And, of course, he ended up being Ray Lewis. So I do understand that people will make excuses about a guy saying, well, he played at Alabama or he played at Ohio State or he played at a big-time program. Uh, and he was rotating with all these NFL players, so to speak. But I look at it like this. When you go to the NFL level, if you can't stick out at Ohio State, how are you going to stick out on the NFL roster? You know, How are you going to take another man's job when you had to rotate with another person at the college you were playing at? So that's my only issue with him. I think Nick Bosa may have a career similar to D Ford. You know, another guy that had a bunch. Now, of course, D Ford's injury history was a lot more extensive, of course, you know, because he had you know, multiple knee surgeries during his career uh, over there. And, of course, you know, has not been able to stay 100% healthy this time. But I just don't get the top five talking to Nick Bosa just because of the production. And I think the, the questions as to why he wasn't productive has not really been answered up to this point, uh, other than injury history and question marks about why you couldn't be the guy. You know, Joey Bosa became the guy. You didn't really become the guy. I got you. Now, so take us through, um, you know, obviously, you know, if it's D-tackle or it's another position in round one, some, you know, guys who strike your eyes as, you know, could be highly productive and in, in good value, whether it's whether in round two or two of the, you know, so you figure in, you know, defensive ends within your top 100 range. Sure. Now, I mean, I guess I would say these are more edge rusher types, uh, but Brian Burns, I think, at Florida State, now, size is definitely going to be something that people are going to bring up with it, with him uh, because, you know, he isn't the biggest. Like, he's not going to come in and be, like, 270 pounds. But he's impressive in terms of his production numbers. Um, he's someone that has been, uh, you know, fairly productive, even though the program has been, I hate to say, going downhill. But you know, uh, All right, well, listen to me. I, I will let you pick on the program because you're speaking well of Burns. But you know, I mean, come on here, kick my nose. No, but right now, yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I was, I was literally out of watching Florida State probably before the leaves fell off the trees, Jim. Exactly, exactly. So, but he's been performing despite those sort of issues. Uh, but yeah, he sticks out great in terms of production. Carter Coughlin, Minnesota, is another player that uh, is very productive. Has some interesting traits as well. Uh, and and also was very productive in the Big Ten. I know people. I know you in particular. You know, Big Ten. You know, you're more into the, <laughs> you know, the SEC and those other sort of things. But no, you wear shorts and a tank top. You never opt for Uggs and North Faces, Jim. We've talked about this. I know, I know. But Coughlin has been very productive, and I think you know if he tests well, which I think he might test well enough, he's someone that I think sticks out as well. Uh, everybody's been talking about polite at Florida as well. Uh, he's another person that hit all the sort of production marks you're looking for. Uh, Jalen Ferguson, who's a guy that's at the Senior Bowl yep. uh, this year, a very productive player. At Louisiana Tech, you know, it's lower level, but he's a guy that, hey, day three, day two, if you test really well, you could get a bargain with a, with a player like him. Uh, Montez Sweat, of course, who's been most of the talk <laughs> over the last couple of days. He, because dude literally did. went viral. He went viral over dropping somebody in a practice. Hey, hey! I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much, man. When I saw Aaron Donald literally flip an offensive tackle onto his back, it, it was it was National Geographic level. Like it was sort of like <laughs> we're watching we're watching a lion, you know, uh, on, on you know, like we're watching an animal here, you know, like that's what it was like to see that uh, and. It's no surprise that Aaron Donald became who he who, who he uh, became, but 
you know, again, that's just what you're talking about there with a guy like him, uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, but yeah, guys, uh, you know, guys like that. I mean, uh, probably the last guy I'll mention is Nate Harvey at East Carolina. Uh, he's another sort of smaller school player that was uh, fairly productive as well. Uh, but you know, there there is a lot of really good edge rushers this year. Uh, I mean, I barely talked about Josh Allen, but Josh Allen to me is the top edge rusher in this class. He's proven that he can be tremendously productive, tremendously durable as well, and I think he's going to test fantastic as well. So I don't think the Browns will have a shot at him, of course, you know, because no. I think he's definitely going to be a top five uh, sort of player. But any of the other guys, Montez Sweat, uh, Carter Coughlin, uh, you know, any of those other sort of players I definitely think are in play. And the great thing about Sweat is he can put more weight on. I mean, he has a great frame. I mean, everybody's been gushing over the measurables and, um, his production is fairly decent, so you definitely could get a lot of things out of him. All right, now, Jim, before we put a bow on this here, give me some under-the-radar guys, I don't care what the position, who have really caught your eye this year and people should probably be talking a little bit more about. Uh, sure, I'd probably say in terms of wide receivers, uh, okay. because... I really like this wide receiver class. I do too. I don't think it's like I don't think there's a Rolls Royce within this class, but there's a bunch of you know BMWs, Mercedes, and fine automobiles. There's no you know Bugatti five hundred thousand dollar Lamborghinis, <laughs> but I think these guys because now I mean and this goes back to the high school level and the seven on seven. These guys know how to run routes. They know how to get open. If you get the ball on them, they're going to catch it. And there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I mean, if, I, I mean, just wide receiver this year. I mean, Annie Isabella, who is here, uh, obviously has been having a pretty decent. He's been doing kind of an and one mixtape, which I know a lot of scouts have been kind of like, "How is that, he going to do that in the NFL?" You know that type of thing. And this uh, was Braxton Miller. Braxton Miller, the year he was in Mobile. Look, these one on ones in this. Look, these guys are kind of looking for that viral moment. They are. And you, know, you see some routes, and it's like, you're never going to run it that way on a Sunday. You know that you're not going to run it in a game because the coach is going to get in your ass. That's just the way it works. Um, but you're looking to break somebody's ankles and, and you know, m- you know, get your name out there even higher. But, but Isabel is a solid, solid player, even though, you know, the height, the weight is not exactly what you're looking for. But he fits the profile of, you know, profile of get open and catch it. Exactly. Uh, but him in particular, Tyler Johnson at Minnesota, I think is – Super underrated. I mean, just a great all around. I mean, as I as I usually call them, uh, I call them Nightwing wide receivers. You know, the not the the not the Batman. You know, not the guy that has all the tools in the tool belt, but that guy that can can be a really great uh, sort of tag team with another number one guy, uh, Greg Dortch from Wake Forest, uh, who is an early declaree. He's he's been a guy who's really been fantastic. Team Butler at Iowa State is, I mean, there are definitely going to be some questions about speed, but he's just fantastic, man. He, he does some plays on film that I see, and I go, how did he do that? How did he pull that off? Uh, for a it was the one not... versus Oklahoma where he caught it about the 25 and then broke three tackles, spinning, trucking people, almost every matted move there is in the book on his way into the end zone. Exactly, and how big he is. And the other thing for, our, for my Browns fans, that's something that plays well late in the season. Um, you know, I mean, nobody wants to go put a shoulder in on a guy who's six foot six, probably two hundred and twenty pounds, because most of the time you're gonna lose on that one. But go ahead, Jim. Exactly. Uh, but he's been great. Uh, the Virginia wide receiver, uh, 
uh, Ola Olamidi, I'm probably saying this wrong, but uh, Zach, Zach Chayas, I think, uh, he's another guy that I think it has some Devontae Parker-ish. I know Parker didn't really have the best transition to the NFL, but nope. uh, very kind of similar traits as him. Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State, my alma mater, uh, another guy that, that's also been doing really well uh, for the position. I think the last guy I'll mention, Stanley Morgan Jr. from Nebraska. I know his name kind of sounds like a bank or you know a law firm uh, kind of addition, but uh, he... I mean, if you go back and watch some of his film over the course of the last couple of years, he's just been a fantastic slot receiver. Has decent speed, uh, decent uh, body control, and I think he's someone who's getting slept on a little bit because uh, he played in Nebraska, which hasn't been the best program, of course, <laughs> over the last couple of years. But uh, he's he's another guy that, that's really stuck out to me. All right, Jim. Now the production on my boy Reggie White at a Monmouth University. Um, scrolls to page two or three. <laughs> <laughs> scrolls to page two or three. You know what the uh, funniest thing is? Actually, you know who reps him? Who? Brian Perez and his brother. Really? Yes, actually. You know, I know Brian's brother's been an agent for a long time. I think Brian's working in the capacity because, you know, Brian's an attorney. But, guys, uh, Brian Perez was a long-time draft guy. Uh, he does – he runs, uh, I think, Locked On uh, – not the – he runs the uh, Browns – I mean, Bears Wire, you know, for, for the, you know, whatever wire it is with CBS Sports. You know, Brian runs it over there. But, uh, yeah, uh, so Reggie Wade from my alma mater here, Monmouth, New Jersey. Uh, you know, everybody knows. You know, for guys like me and Jim, we all know Brian Perez. But go ahead. Uh, sure. I mean, based on his, uh, you know, based on his production data, I would say he's he, he's a little bit of like an 80.21 um, out of 100. At his level of competition, that's the only there, – there's kind of – I wouldn't say – the difference between lower-level competition and higher-level competition is a lot of times when it comes to lower level, you want them to be ridiculously productive. Essentially, you're talking about guys that are like 90, high 90s. Yeah, but I, mean, Mama, but, but I mean, you don't know this, but I do. Mammoth ran the ball a ton. So, I mean, that was the thing. They, they probably ran for about 200 yards a game, but go ahead. Sure. Um, now – the cutoff for that level is about 80, so okay. you know, it's not bad. I mean, you know, there's still definitely a chance he could, you know, stick in as sort of a starter or that sort of thing. But it's just the players that have had a really big impact at the NFL level, uh, at that lower level competition. Uh, you know, the Victor Cruises, the I, I I don't even want to say Jerry Rice, of course, but Jerry Rice didn't go to Alabama. <laughs> you know? No, no, he, he did uh, not to a lower level school. Uh, in terms of uh, his competition. But, you know, when you add in all those other sort of guys uh, with him, uh, he, he fits more of a you know, potential starter than a, like a, a great kind of, uh, you know, breakout guy. But it's not bad. You know, it, it's not to the scary level, I guess. Because there's a lot of lower-level competition wide receivers that get invited to some of these, you know, senior bowl shrine game type situations where they were kind of below average productive. At a lower level, so it, it raises even more questions. You know, if a guy's not productive at Alabama, then you can say, well, he was at Alabama, which is the excuse everybody makes, but he's at, uh, you know, Colorado uh, School of Mines or something. Mm -hmm. you know, then you start to question, you know, a little bit. 100%. Um, Jim, this has been a pleasure. Um, we're going to do more of these as we get closer to the draft. Um, it's always nice going back to guys that you've known for a long time. Um, again, Jim? 
you know, congratulations on everything. I wish you all the best with your new life, with your wife. Um, the Common Man Football YouTube channel, guys. Uh, Jim puts all this up. You probably get about, Jim, what, two to three, two to three, four profiles a day. So, and this is you can get all that information there, guys. And he put, and you get graphs with it, and it it measures these guys against. You know, the guys who, you know, met, you know they weighed the same. They were the same height-wise. And obviously, there'll be more after the combine. It, it's a great tool to have because if you really get excited about a guy, that's fine. But, you know, this way you can measure it against 30 to 40 to even deeper than that years of data. So, uh, you know, Jim Coburn does a fantastic job with that. Follow him on Twitter at J-I-M Metrics. Um, I'm sorry, J-I-M Etrics, Jim Metrics. Um, Jim does a fantastic job, guys. He's, like I said, he's a fantastic resource during the draft season. The Lockdown Browns Twitter account, guys. We're closing in on 4,000 followers. Keep those fo- follows coming. We keep it a follow back account. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, the iTunes ratings, reviews, guys. Keep them coming. Got to have them. Always need them. Uh, whether it's anything you need from the Lockdown NFL Network, the Instagram, the Twitter account, Lockdown NFL Net has you taken care of in, that, in those circumstances, guys. I appreciate you guys for everything that you do. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.